0: Is the 200 level episode 110 signed, sealed, delivered? And I remember that title because we've had letter after letter after letter. A bunch of parent letters. We get one today, or tonight, I should say, from Kevin Warren, Big Ten commissioner, trying to explain the decision making process, which a lot of parents and fans and players felt a little bit unsure of, or at least in the dark, as if there wasn't enough transparency. And I think. We'd all agree with that, that there wasn't a whole lot of transparency in the initial announcement, which came six days after the schedule coming out. And that's disappointing because you do want leadership at any level to explain themselves and the reasoning behind the decisions that they make. You didn't get that initially from Kevin Warren, and we saw the response, some of it fair, some of it maybe a bit overblown. So we'll get into both of those today because there are two very different letters. I will read the Illini parent letter. I'll read the one from Kevin Warren, compare and contrast and see if the problems that the Illinois parents, and actually I should say parents of any Big Ten school, had with this decision, did the commissioner address it tonight? All that and more, 40,000 students descended upon Champaign-Urbana. At least they continue to trickle in and... This community is feeling like a campus town again, for better or worse. Testing, by the way, this is great news today. The saliva test for the U of I approved by the FDA. And that's huge. Great news for the university, great news for the state. And then you can really scale up production with that. And it might be great news for a lot more people than just those within this community, within this state. Because rapid testing will be a game changer. That's a word that's thrown around quite a bit. And it's easy to see why, because it's easy to do for one, and it's easy to get the results back in a timely manner, and that is one step in the process to getting over this stupid pandemic. But of course, while we're in the middle of it, it has affected our ability to watch sports, and in the case of student-athletes at Big Ten universities, their ability to play them. So there's a lot to kind of unwrap here, and as we go through these two letters, we'll see just exactly how many levels there are, and there are many, emotional for sure, there are logical arguments to be made on both sides. And what I want to say before we even get into it is that I'm not going to go hard after one or the other. I think that there is a lack of transparency, sure, from the Big Ten. I think that some of the things that the parents have said are, how do we say, selfish. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Neither side is coming out of this unscathed, or I should say faultless. But I think both sides have enough reasonable arguments to make us understand that, well, wait a second, we're all just trying to figure this out, and it's a very complicated time in which to try to figure things out. Before we get into that, a reminder that the 200 level is brought to you by DPDO online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. Custom zones with any topping you want, some of their favorites like the Maui Waui, the Buffer Zone, and best of all, they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, so go online to DPDO. Dot com. Don't let the students scare you. They'll bring the Calzones to you. Also, 4th and Kirby, online at 4thandkirby.com. A new design coming out on the heels of a great new design last week. Some Illini football stuff last week. We'll wait and see what the new design is from 4th and Kirby. You can follow them on Twitter, and you can just go to their website, 4thandkirby.com. And by the way, 200 level or the 200 level, that's your coupon code for 10% off your order at 4thandkirby.com. And that's not all. I love saying that. Buy two t-shirts, get one free. That's all year round. Buy two, get one free. And these are high-quality t-shirts. I have a couple of them myself. I'm going to order some of these new designs at fourthandkirby.com. And State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at BrianIsMyGuy.com. Online at BrianIsMyGuy.com. I just wanted to say it twice. Such a good domain name. Life Auto Home, Business Renters, you name it. Insurance experts. And not only that, they are local. I mean local products, born and raised in Champaign-Urbana, so they have your local interest at heart. That's brianismyguy.com. Alani Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network, partners with the 200 level. Those are the formalities. On top of that, I want to remind you, if you haven't rated or reviewed us on whatever podcast app you listen to, that is a huge help in getting us to climb up the ladder as people type in Alani, and hey, voila, there's the 200 level. So... Apple Podcast, Spotify, I believe, has a feature for it. Wherever you listen to us, rate and review us. That'd be greatly appreciated. We appreciate you listening in the first place. And even if you hate listen, like apparently a couple of the listeners did last week, that's okay. One star reviews will take them. Anywhere that you can rate and review us, again, much appreciated. Also, we're doing this on a Wednesday night because Thursday is going to be very busy for me. We have school starting back up, so professional development, all that jazz. We have meetings galore as we get ready for our students to come back, understandably. But on top of that, my band's latest album is coming out. So real quick bit of shameless self-promotion. Decadence is the name, D-E-C-A-D-E-N-T-S. We've been around for 10 years now, and this is our fourth studio album. Recorded it during the pandemic. I actually went in two days before the Illinois-Iowa game to lay down guide tracks for bass and drums, and they ended up being the bass and drum tracks that we used on the album, just because it was kind of forced into the situation where it had to be very do-it-yourself, and the rest of it was done here in my home studio, the same one that I do the 200 level, guitars, vocals, all of that. It is a rock album, 12 tracks, turn it up loud, however you want to listen to it, whatever you prefer to drink or smoke or hey, do you, but just enjoy listening to it tomorrow night. That's Thursday on Facebook or YouTube. To search Decadence Fever Dreams Listening Party. That's Fever Dreams Listening Party. And you'll be able to see a live stream of all 12 tracks and these really cool visuals that I was able to kind of work on my phone. This really cool app. So a very psychedelic sort of thing on Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central. Fever Dreams Listening Party. And then the album will be available tomorrow and, well, every day beyond that at decadence.bandcamp.com. That's a direct download, and then soon enough, Apple, Spotify, you name it. We had to get the distributor to work through a backlog, and it'll get there soon enough, but for now, decadence.bandcamp.com. I hope you enjoy it. I've worked really hard on it, and uh, I think it's the best album we've done so far, and if you like rock music, you'll dig this. I can promise you that, because you know my influences, Zeppelin especially. You dig that kind of stuff, you'll dig this. That's it for the Shameless Self-Promotion. We have things to talk about. You might have already hit that 30-second skip button a few times on your podcast. If not, thanks for indulging me. But this is another one of those weeks that feels like a month because every single hour, it seems that news is coming out, whether it be sports or politics, you name it. And unfortunately, I guess expectedly, politics have certainly found their way into this discussion about should we play college football or not. Now, that is not to say that these parent letters are inherently political, But it is hard not to detach some of the language used in them with certain political things that you do see on Twitter. And this goes back to the Clay Travis kind of crusade that I had going on for a bit. And I'll try to avoid going down that rabbit hole again. But this idea that we must play sports at all costs is something that as much as I love sports, I've had a hard time reconciling. I know that the parents, whether it be Illinois parents or otherwise, They are not saying, play this at any cost. They are acknowledging that there is a risk involved. But I think there's a primary fallacy with their argument. And I'm going to get to that in a bit. But before I do, here's the letter. This is from parents of Illinois football players to Commissioner Warren, University of Illinois President Killeen, and Chancellor Jones. It begins. On Tuesday, August 11th, we were delivered the awful news that our fall football season would be canceled. A few days prior, on August 5th, we were given a schedule. That schedule adjusted the season, start with the first game changing from October 3rd to September 3rd. Summer camp started. Our AD gave us strict rules for attendance and safety at games, and we all thought, this season will be different, but at least the boys will be able to play. We all know what happened next. However, we have questions concerning the facts and data that led to this decision. One could argue that risk and uncertainties have surrounded this virus since we first heard of it. We want to know. What changed between August 5th and August 11th? The families of the University of Illinois football players feel compelled to express our support for our sons and for the University of Illinois coaching staff, A.D. Whitman, our football program, and the safe bubble our team has created. We've seen the responses from other Big Ten football families and support their letters. We feel that the decision to cancel the 2020 season was premature and made in haste. We also believe the Big Ten and university presidents failed to gather input personally from any University of Illinois football player. We feel the players and parents of the Big Ten deserve to see the medical data that shows our sons are more at-risk playing a season than living on campus and training 20 hours per week. There's an exclamation point there. That's why I try to do that. The University of Illinois football staff has taken every measure to ensure the safety and well-being of our sons. Our players, coaches, and support staff have been saliva tested every day. Since June! Another exclamation point. The University of Illinois is leading the nation with saliva-based testing pioneered by U of our researchers that supports widespread testing with rapid results to limit the spread of the COVID-19 virus. Coach Smith, A.D. Whitman, and staff have maintained consistent communication with us throughout the entire process. As such, we have complete trust in the coaching and medical staff of the University of Illinois to maintain a safe environment. Since the season was to be conference only, it seems only logical that all Big Ten football programs be on the same COVID protocol. Were they? If not, why not? There were months of time to implement such a standardized testing protocol. If Illinois can do it, so could other Big Ten schools. In addition to that trust, we have complete trust in our sons and their ability to be safe and smart during this pandemic. They wash hands, wear masks, and maintain social distancing. They seriously limit their contact with people outside the football program. They are intense about safety. Exclamation point. That's a third one. We overwhelmingly support their decisions to play or opt out this fall if they choose. As football players, they understand risk. They are educated on those risks and accept the consequences associated. As young men, they understand the consequences of their actions and decisions and should be righted the ability to balance potential, high, potential risk excuse me, with reward. We believe with our boys participating in football at the University of Illinois this fall would make them safer in many ways and is the best possible environment for them during these crazy times. We firmly believe that denying these players the opportunity to compete in games this season, for some their last ever, all caps and exclamation point, would jeopardize their futures. It will also severely affect their mental and physical well-being. We don't want to make light of the seriousness of COVID, but it isn't going away. If our sons are willing to assume the risk and play the game they love, why not give them the chance? If they aren't able to play, they at least should be afforded the right to know why all caps, their season has been taken from them. What data, was anal- <laughs> what data was analyzed, hello, when the decision was made to cancel? We are asking for a detailed description of the critical facts that were used to cancel the season. The players and families deserve to know why, all caps, question mark. On August 5th, Commissioner Warren stated, quote, I have a son who's a football student athlete in the SEC at Mississippi State. And so I've asked myself as a father, would I be comfortable for him to participate in the Big Ten based on the testing policies, protocols, and procedures we have in place? As of today, the answer is yes. However, here we all sit devastated and heartbroken, wondering what happened to our football season while his son is allowed to play this fall in the SEC. That is unfair, exclamation point, sincerely, proud, all caps, families of the University of Illinois football team I need to get out my distaste for certain grammatical things right away not to be a grammar Nazi for lack of a better better term exclamation points annoy me to no end I tell my sixth graders the only time you should ever use an exclamation point is in dialogue and not even then avoid it find other ways to emphasize language you don't need exclamation points again that's what I tell my 11 and 12 year olds in sixth grade writing all caps that's fine in a text message When you send it to the commissioner of the Big Ten, the president of the U of I, the chancellor of the U of I, you don't need all caps. Okay, grammar, spiel, done. (laughs) There are some valid points in here. There are. What did happen in those six days between August 5th and August 11th? And more to the point, in support of these parents here, what happened in those intervening two months? In June and July, what was the Big Ten doing? Why were they not making sure that every school had a protocol in place that they felt was safe enough? I am totally on board with that. It was something that I was thinking when the schedule came out and it's like, okay, really? Is this actually gonna happen? And then of course when the announcement is made on August 11th. But that entire time it just felt like they were kind of just going with it. Maybe this will work, maybe it won't. And then they just shut it down. I totally understand the frustration because I feel that frustration too. And certainly though, not to the level of these parents and these athletes. So before I go any further, or try to find the holes in some of these arguments, and there are some. I do want to acknowledge the emotional place that this is coming from for these families. They have devoted a lifetime to watching their sons play football, supporting them any way they can. And then these athletes, the amount of time and effort they put into reaching this level, only to be told that they are going to have to sit out an entire year, in all likelihood. The spring thing, that seems um, unrealistic right now. So from an emotional perspective, I understand why the all caps and the exclamation points. Uh, From a writing teacher's perspective and just being a, a stickler, probably annoyingly so, I will admit, I'm thinking, oh God, don't do that. Because there is an amount of professionalism that you need to maintain. And not only that, there are copy editing things in this that I don't know if they ran it through grammarly or not. It doesn't appear so. There are mistakes in this that should not be In a letter addressed to the chancellor and president of this university and Commissioner Warren. There are issues with this letter. And I want to start with a couple of them right here. In one paragraph it reads, We firmly believe that denying these players the opportunity to compete in games this season, for some their last ever, would jeopardize their futures. Would it? So let's say there's an NFL prospect. Now certainly... This is going to jeopardize a lot of guys' futures if they are like a fringe prospect. Not the first or second round guys, but if they can't get on the field and prove how good they are in games this year, then it's going to be that much harder for them to crack the combine or anything like that. There's some truth to that, but for the most part, how many guys on this team, or really any team not named Ohio State, are going to the NFL? Jeopardizing their futures would indicate that their education is being taken away from them too. It is not. It goes on to say it will also severely affect their mental and physical well-being. Severely is a bridge too far. There is a mental component to this. We've all felt it. We've all felt the crunch in this pandemic, not being able to do the things that we want to do. And a more extreme version of that is not being able to do the thing that maybe you were born to do or the thing that you're most talented at. I totally understand that. And apples and oranges comparison, but I was looking forward to a year that the band, for example, would be able to get back out there and gig regularly. We were primed and ready back in February when we played. Great cover up in town. We had a new album to work on and it felt like full steam ahead. And then of course this happens. We can't do that. That is minor. You know, let's say 10 gigs over a course of a summer. That's minor in comparison to the 40 hours a week that these guys are putting in. But how many people professionally or whether it be a leisure activity, recreational, had that taken away from them during this as well. Severely affecting their mental well-being? I don't know. Certainly cause for concern for younger guys where this means a lot to them, but severe seems like a bit of hyperbole. Physical well-being? Well, I don't know. Because the argument has been, from these parents and others, that these guys are safer with football going on. But I think that is null and void, When all the kids return to campus, I know it says in the same letter that, well, you know, our football boys, they're going to behave. You know, they're going to practice safety. Listen, when they have friends coming in for the first time in six and a half months, when they have girls, when they have college things that you do as a football player, yes, safety comes first, but to think that they're just going to stay at home in a hazmat suit to ensure that they can play the game on Saturday, that's not going to happen best laid plans, great testing protocol over there, that's all true. But severely affecting their physical well-being, what is severely affecting their physical well-being is not the absence of football. It's the return of 40,000 college students and the risks that are involved with that. That is a problem to take up with Chancellor Jones, with President Colleen, and that is not mentioned here in this letter. Why are you bringing the students back? I would get on board with that argument. Because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that we are shutting down football and then saying, let's open up the lecture halls and the dorm rooms and all that stuff as if that's, that's safer somehow. It's not. It certainly is not. But however much of a bubble we may have put around the football performance center over there or any of the athletic complexes because of the daily testing, that is a, at the very least minimized to an extent with all these students coming back. So let's just stop the charade that these guys are safer when they're playing football. They would be on campus along with the tens of thousands of others, just like Oklahoma and the nine guys that were in the community when they got COVID-19. They didn't leave. They stayed in Norman, and somehow they got it. I wonder how. How do you think they got it? I got a few guesses. You probably do too. UNC, Notre Dame. Now we're starting to see some schools just say, nah, not going to do it, just like Michigan State, before the students even got there. So in the midst of these letters being written, commendable for the parents to take action. Commendable for the players like Justin Fields to take action. They believe strongly in this, and I don't want to come off as, as if I'm mocking them. I'm guessing I probably did. So for that, I may have went too far myself. But <laughs> I, I do find it kind of silly at the end of the day that we're having these letters written. And these arguments that are found in them are all kind of negated by one pretty key fact. We're in the middle of a pandemic, once in a lifetime, once in a century pandemic. This country in particular cannot handle it. We're getting over 1,000 people dying from this every day. There was no first wave. We've just kind of evened out at about 1,000 plus deaths a day. Ho hum. So this is all well and good if you're in any country that actually did what they were supposed to do in April, May, June, et cetera, but we didn't. So it does suck. It sucks across the board, the things that we can't do. Last night on Twitter, there was a, a tweet from Lon saying, God, you know what I'd love to do right now is go see a movie by myself. And I replied, yes, solo matinees. That was my summer thing. Every couple of weeks I'd go to a solo matinee and it was so therapeutic. I love going to movies. Can't do it. It sucks. Can't go to concerts, it sucks. Can't go to games, it sucks. All of these things suck, and they're affecting millions, tens of millions, really probably every single person in this country, 300-plus million of them. But that's why I have a little bit of an issue in reading this, because there's inherently a selfish nature to it. When these parents in this letter and other letters talk about the fact that these players know the risk, CTE, concussions, all that, and yet they play, They also say, well, they know the risk of COVID and they're choosing to play. Why can't they opt in? The difference is CTE, concussions, that ain't contagious. It's certainly serious. More serious, I would venture, than a case of COVID-19 when it comes down to it. But there is the health and safety risk to the community. That goes for all the campuses that are opening up to the general student population. That's a problem. And that would have been the same thing if we were to send these campus students home the general student population, and say, guess what, athletes, you stay on campus so you can play in a bubble. And think of the can of worms that that opens up. We talked about the we want to play movement and the kind of unionization parts of that. How would it look if you do send student populations home, but you keep the football players on campus? I know a lot of them would sign up to do that. And I don't blame them because this is something that they're passionate about. Any athlete, volleyball, you name the fall sport, they'd probably sign up to do the same thing. But it does seem to fly in the face of this idea that student-athletes have the rights that they should to say that we're going to treat you special, and by that, you're going to be the only ones allowed on campus during a pandemic. I don't know. The optics of that aren't so good, and it just seems to be kind of contradictory to the cause in the first place. Anywho, as I read this letter, again, knowing that it's coming from a place of genuine emotion and disappointment and sadness... I don't want to border on a mocking tone, but I do have a major issue with something like this. This is how it ends. On August 5th, Commissioner Warren stated, I have a son who's a football student athlete in the SEC at Mississippi State, and so I've asked myself as a father, would I be comfortable for him to participate in the Big Ten based upon the testing policies, protocols, and procedures we have in place? As of today, the answer is yes. However, we all sit here devastated and heartbroken wondering what happened to our football season while his son is allowed to play this fall in the SEC. This... Those two paragraphs are the kicker in this letter. That's the closer. And the problem with that, I find, is it's a total red herring argument. Well, your son's maybe going to play Mississippi State. His son is probably between 18 and 22 years old, technically an adult. That son can make his own decision. Do parents get this autocratic rule over their college kids? Do they say, hey, Johnny, I don't want you to do this. And then Johnny says, oh, you're right, Mom and Dad. If Johnny's a 20, 21-year-old, No. Johnny may take that into consideration, but that doesn't mean he has to follow it. Kevin Warren's relationship with his kid should have no bearing in any of these letters, and this is not the first one to mention that. So what it does is tries to get this not-so-subtle dig, well, you know, your son may play. So what? Let them decide that. But Commissioner Warren, on one hand, certainly is looking out for student-athletes, right? I'm guessing that's part of the job description, whether he is or is not. But at the end of the day, he's really more representing... Presidents, chancellors, that sort of thing. Same thing as any commissioner of a sports league. They are not really looking out for the players' best interest. They're looking out for the franchises, just as he's looking out for these universities. So all all this talk about transparency, that's fine. I wish there would have been more transparency before this letter came out this evening from Kevin Warren, but (laughs) what difference would it really have made? There's legal action starting to take place. There's an attorney that's asking for the documents. How about this document? It's a pandemic. There's 170,000 people dead. It is transmitting far faster and quicker in this country than any other country in the world. How's that? Do they need more data? The heart condition that while rare is life-threatening, and if you don't die from it, it can still be chronic. Is that not enough? That's where the selfish thing comes in. And I don't want to go so far as to presume that people that wrote these letters were the same ones that maybe didn't take it as seriously back in April or May. But it's hard not to, because if there is a common thread here, it seems like there has been a dividing line during this pandemic between people that have elected to do what is in the best interest of their community or people that have elected to do what is in the best interest of their own personal interest. So when I read this and I see that it ends with, That is unfair. What are we, five? My niece might say that if she doesn't get a doll that's quite as new as the other niece. That's unfair. Well, guess what? Life kind of is unfair. Does that mean that the Big Ten shouldn't be accountable for a decision like that? Of course not. They should be. But that's why for Illinois parents, not that they're representatives of the University of Illinois, but indirectly they kind of are for University of Illinois football, at least. That is unfair, is the final kicker in this letter. And as a 14-year-old might say, tough titty. <laughs> it just, it, that is what really kind of uh, is difficult for me to wrap my head around. There's a lot of things with this that are unfair. But writing this letter to Kevin Warren and President Clean, Chancellor Jones, I don't see necessarily what that gets across other than I want my son to play football when there's a lot of people that want a lot of things that are far more important than that. So we then get a letter from Kevin Warren. This one's a little bit longer, but it is an open letter to the big 10 community. I'm going to read it real quick so we can react to it again. This is sort of a quick reaction Wednesday night podcast and haven't had a whole lot of time to get my thoughts together. So if I do, uh, If some of my thoughts are a little bit half-baked, I I, I apologize ahead of time. But let's see what this letter a response really, to the entire Big Ten community, to the parent letters, to the player petition, all that sort of stuff. This is from Kevin Warren. I write on this occasion to share with you additional information regarding the Big Ten Conference's decision to postpone the fall sports season. We thoroughly understand and deeply value what sports mean to our student-athletes. Yada, yada, yada. The vote... By the Big Ten Council of Presidents and Chancellors, was overwhelmingly in support of postponing false sports and will not be revisited. Before I go any further, if there's a takeaway in this, that's it. Will not be revisited. It goes on. The decision was thorough and deliberative. Hmm. And based on sound feedback, guidance, and advice from medical experts, despite the decision to postpone fall sports, we continue our work to find a path forward that creates a healthy and safe environment for all big 10 student athletes to compete in the sports they love in a manner that helps to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and protects both student athletes and the surrounding communities. There, there we go. Communities. You don't hear that a lot in these parent letters. Going on, as you are well aware, we are facing a complicated global pandemic with the SARS-CoV-2 virus discovered in November 2019. The first medically confirmed cases did not appear in the United States until January 2020. Over the course of the past seven months, the U.S. has recorded more than 5.5 million confirmed cases, resulting in more than 170,000 deaths, with more than 22 million confirmed cases and 780,000 lives lost around the world. I mentioned earlier that you could end the argument there. You could, but Kevin Warren goes on. We understand the disappointment and questions surrounding the timing of our decision to postpone fall sports, especially in light of releasing a football schedule only six days prior to that decision. From the beginning, we consistently communicated our commitment to cautiously proceed one day at a time with the health, safety, and wellness of our student-athletes at the center of our decision-making process. That is why we took simultaneous paths in releasing the football schedule while also diligently monitoring the spread of the virus, testing, and medical concerns as student-athletes were transitioning to full contact practice. While several factors contributed to the decision to postpone the fall sports season, at the core of our decision was the knowledge that there was too much medical uncertainty and too many unknown health risks regarding COVID-19 infection and its impact on our student-athletes. Listed below are the primary factors that led to the Big Ten decision. This is a bulleted list. I'll go one by one real quick. One, transmission rates continue to rise at an alarming rate, with little indication from medical experts that our campuses, communities, or country could gain control of the spread of the virus prior to the start of competition. It goes on, as our teams were ramping up for more intense practices, many of our medical staffs did not think the interventions we had planned would be adequate to decrease the potential spread, even with very regular testing. And as the general student body comes back to campus, uh, 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 spread to the student-athletes could reintroduce infection into our athletics community. Bullet point two, there is simply too much we do not know about the virus, recovery from infection, and longer-term effects. While the data data on cardiomyopathy is preliminary and incomplete, the uncertain risk was unacceptable at this time. Bullet point three, concerns surrounding contact tracing still exist, including the inability to social distance in contact sports pursuant to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention guidelines. While risk mitigation processes... Physical distancing, face coverings, proper hygiene can be implemented across campus for the student body population. It becomes clear those processes could not be fully implemented in contact sports. Three little bullet points under that one. Number one, with the start of full contact practices and competitions, it became increasingly clear that contact tracing and quarantining would risk frequent and significant disruptions to the practice and competition calendar. Accurate and widely available rapid testing may help mitigate those concerns, but access to accurate tests is currently limited. And significant concerns also exist regarding the testing supply chain, generally for many of our institutions. Can I summarize those bullet points? It's what every medical expert has been telling us for months. Preceded, of course, by the numbers, which aren't good. So, letters aside, petitions aside, fans being pissed off on Twitter, whatever other platform it may be. This was coming a long time before this decision was made. All the decisions or indecisions that the leaders made, all the way down to citizens that said, whatever. This is where we're at. So in a way, everyone is culpable, though not everyone. Some people actually did the right damn thing in the hopes that we would get a football season. But all that right there is the medical stuff that the Clay Travises of the world, Mr. Football himself, have been sort of just mocking yeah, I don't believe doctors. Let me tell you the real thing. My name's Clay Travis, and it's just... This is just a long, slow buildup from this kind of anti-science thing that for whatever reason has more teeth than I thought it would in this country of all places. I digress. Soapbox, as Aski 11 would say on that <laughs> on that review on iTunes last week. Okay, it goes on. It mentions financial considerations. It did not influence the decision. That's what he says. You know, I could be cynical about that, but at the end of the day, the Big Ten is losing hundreds of millions of dollars for this. So I actually could see how the financial considerations did not influence this decision. Certainly, though, the financial considerations, when you consider liability, that might have been something that kept them from doing that. Uh, He goes on. We understand the passion of many student-athletes and their families who were disappointed by the decision but also know there are many who have a great deal of concern and anxiety regarding the pandemic. Moving forward, we will continue to build upon the framework that our medical experts have developed over the past five months. As we expand upon a plan to allow our student-athletes to compete as soon as it is safe to do so, we'll keep our focus on creating protocols and standards established by our medical advisors that are responsive to the medical concerns. To that end, the Big Ten Conference has assembled a return-to-competition task force. God, you got to love task forces. Consisting of members from the uh, presidents and chance it's the committee of presidents and chancellors cop c sports medicine and university medical personnel athletic directors head coaches faculty athletic representatives and senior women administrators to plan for the return of fall sports competition as soon as possible in evaluating winter spring models we will explore many factors including the number of football games that can reasonably be played from a health perspective in a full calendar year while maintaining a premier competitive experience for a student-athletes culminating in a Big Ten championship. The Big Ten Conference will continue to collect feedback from student-athletes, families, and other constituents and remain in active discussions with its television partners. Okay, so the last paragraph is just thank you for the passion, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, this letter is outlining the health concerns. That's what the focus is for it. I know that he said as much in his interview on Big Ten Network, but he didn't say so as well as he probably should have. I understand how this became the cluster that it did because he didn't get out in front of it as quickly or as well as you would hope a Big Ten commissioner would. And unfortunately, that is probably going to stay with him for as long as his tenure lasts. Some people are saying he'll resign, all that. Listen, if college football gets canceled across the board, he's not resigning. He's not getting fired, however you would fire a commissioner. Because... Yet again, the Big Ten would be the leader in this. Even if they did it in an ass-backwards way, even if they didn't do it in good faith, they would still be the first ones to do it with the Pac-12 to follow. Yeah, the Pac-12 might have done a better job communicating why they made that decision. But at the end of the day, however the decision-making process is, if the ultimate decision is in the best interest of the student-athletes and the communities at large, then it's the right decision. Again, good faith, bad faith... And I'm going to remain cynical of the Big Ten, as I think we should of any college football conference or athletic program, because all these things that have bubbled to the surface, COVID-19's exacerbated all these discussions about athletes mobilizing into unions or player committees, all that kind of stuff, which has coaches and athletic directors and conference leaders, understandably, weary of all of this player rights. It's actually happening. As long as the players keep at it, it will continue to happen and grow. But for this decision, this one decision, not to lump it into all the other decisions that they're going to have to make down the road, this seems very cut and dry. It isn't safe. They do mention that the return of the larger campus community means that that bubble, whatever bubble any of these schools had for the football programs, that will be breached. It just will be. And they say, Furthermore, that the general student body, they can't. if they want, they could practice social distancing and masking. Yeah, 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 okay. We've been through that before on this show. Are they going to do that when they're outside of the lecture hall? No, they aren't. In fact, just this last 48 hours, Champaign and Urbana, each city, came up with these protocols for bars to have in place. No indoor dining on, in any campus town bar or restaurant for the first couple weeks. Things like that, right? The idea being that they're going to mitigate the spread that way. As I said in the last podcast, when there is a will, there is a way. And for 18 to 22-year-olds that are seeing their friends for the first time in half a year, there's going to be a, a whole lot of will going on. They will be willing themselves to hang out and do things together. And whether that be a party of 50 people or a party of 10 inside a poorly ventilated apartment, this thing is inevitable. We've seen it. UNC, Notre Dame, Oklahoma to a smaller extent with that football program, and now the general student population is back. Michigan State making that first step, going to online learning, the first Big Ten school to do that. You think they're going to be the last? This is all too familiar to what happened back in March. One domino falls, and then soon enough, within the course of a week, All the other ones fall too. Is it going to be that quick this time? I don't know. But I've kind of moved on past the idea that this is purely speculative to this sort of fatalistic, this is what's going to happen. And not trying to do so from some sort of arrogance or, ha-ha, I told you so. As I mentioned in the last podcast, it is not a situation in in which I want it to be that. In fact, I would love to think that Illinois, specifically, with all the testing protocols and the saliva testing, the ability to get those students in there twice a week or up to once a day if these students wanted it, that will help. But the way that the university put it, this layers of Swiss cheese, one, two, three, four, well, unfortunately, I don't know. I don't trust Swiss cheese. <laughs> you know. And for a virus, especially one like this, that as the Big Ten commissioner wrote, um, that we don't know everything about, it, it's risky we all know it. I know there's risk in everyday life. I know there's risk in football, as these football players do. But this is uncharted territory. And that's where the parent letters, the player petitions, they're in good faith. They are. They're coming from a place of wanting these student athletes to have an opportunity to get on the field. We can get on board with that. But when some of the arguments uh, fail to recognize the impact outside of the football field and outside of the weight room, outside of the locker room, that's where I have a little bit of an issue with it and it becomes selfish. If we had been pulling our weight collectively months ago, we would have football. So if you want to get pissed off and you have every right to be so when we wake up on a beautiful Saturday in September and there's not a game to watch and not a parking lot to tailgate in, at least not legally, if you want to get pissed off, you can at the leaders across all levels that didn't take care of this thing and also the citizens that didn't take it seriously and sadly i know for a damn fact that some of these citizens that are bitching and moaning about all this right now are the ones that didn't take it seriously in april and may if you were one of those you don't get to talk you don't get to bemoan the fact that there isn't college football or anything else that you're so passionate about because you weren't taking it seriously there's a lot of things i wanted to do too but like tens of millions of other Americans, I said, I will sacrifice that want for however long it takes so I can get back to doing what I want to do. God forbid you wear a mask into a supermarket or you avoid going to a bar until it's safe enough to do so. God forbid. Are people that bored? Is that just it? Are people that bored or are they just a bunch of a-holes? I don't know. Sadly, it's probably a mix. I know there's the fatigue with it. We're all fatigued. I'm fatigued by this thing. You know, I want to get back to it. I would prefer to be in the classroom teaching the students. But you know what? Not at the risk that is currently out there or the fact that opening up schools, as we've already seen in some of these southern states specifically, has led to mass quarantine, hundreds of people in a district between students and teachers having to stay home. Well, why'd you do it? Well, because, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's the flu. Is it? Okay. All right. That right there was a lot of frustration boiling over. That's why it's, for me, kind of therapeutic to come down and do this. Maybe it is for you. Maybe you've flipped it off by now because you're tired of carp on a soapbox. I wouldn't blame you for that. I wouldn't. But uh, (laughs) this is the culmination of just a whole lot of misplaced anger on the parts of a lot of people. I have reflected as much as I can on this, and I try to evolve as much as I can to make sure that I'm not leaving anything unconsidered and that I'm not falling into a bubble of my own when I try to say, hey, it's their fault, or hey, it's their fault. But this has been right in front of us. And not only did we kind of botch it as a country, but we have massively botched this thing to the point where something that should have been doable, you know, college football, I mean, seems a little crazy, but not really if we're like a Western European country that is now getting about, what, 50 to 100 cases a day as opposed to 70,000 or whatever ridiculous number it is, per day. That's a problem. So, listen, facts matter. Data matters. I said, analyze the data. Don't laugh at me too much for that. That was a slip of the tongue. (laughs) Not Freudian, I promise. Uh, But I I do think, though, you know, there might be a light being in the tunnel. Right now, certainly, whether it be sports-related or otherwise, it doesn't always feel that way. And that's where the impatience comes in, and I'm right there with you. But... Man, we got to start holding each other accountable too because that is kind of what led to this place right now, which is a dark, angry place for sports fans and life in general. How do we get out of it? Well, you know, the 200 level is a solutions-based podcast. Care for each other, show some compassion for your neighbor. That's it. You do that, the rest will fall into place. But sadly, I think too much of that has been lost. Okay. I wish I had better news for you, but if I do, I do actually, before I leave. Our album comes out tomorrow. Decadence.bandcamp.com. Shameless promotion, I know, but decadence.bandcamp.com. If you like rock music, you'll like it. That's it for that promotion. Also got to remind you that 4th and Kirby, great new designs. Go to 4thandkirby.com. Coupon code 200level or the 200level for 10% off your order. We have DP dough, Delicious as always. And yeah, students are back, but they will deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So you can stay at home, stay safe. Let them bring it to you, dpdo.com. and State Farm Agent Brian Hanson online at brianismyguy.com, auto, home, life, renter's business, you name it, brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network, appreciate their partnership with the 200 level, and yeah, wanted to get this out on Wednesday evening, tomorrow's going to be a busy day, more music related, I'm sure I'll be blasting it across the Twitter feed and you know, give me about a week of shameless self-promotion and then I'll get it out of my system. I'll be good. But in the meantime, be safe. Uh, take care of one another. We'll see you next week. Hopefully better sports news to talk about. And uh, if not, we'll find something, I'm sure. That's what we kind of had to do for about five months. Until then, take care and we'll see you, okay? It is the 200 level.